Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway! So, in this podcast, we discuss things related to musical, theaters, and plays, and in today's episode, we will be discussing An American in Paris. All right, so let's just get this out of the way, because I know the answer for both of us, and they're going to be extremely, extremely short. Claire, how did you first (laughs) learn about An American in Paris? Well, after actually learning about it, I find it so stupid. How come I never heard about this? But I never heard about this until we decided to do this. Yeah. So, yeah. I heard about it. Like, I heard people talk about it. I haven't seen the original movie. I haven't seen the musical. Nor have I ever heard any of the songs from here before. So, it's pretty much a fresh new start for both Mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So, let's dive into the synopsis of the show. So, An American in Paris is a musical adaptation based on the 1951 movie starring Gene Kelly. And in the musical, an artist named Jerry decides to stay in Paris after liberating Paris from the Nazis. Um, Jerry meets two friends who are also artists, um, as well as a ballerina named Liz, whom he instantly falls for. Unbeknownst to all of them, all three artist friends fall for Elise. Elise. Lise, and this musical is kind of about how the whole situation unfolds. So the musical actually premiered for a very limited run in Paris in 2014 before transferring to Broadway. And it was there for approximately a year and a half until um, October 2016. So during its Broadway run, it was nominated for a whooping amount of 11 Tonys. And it won four of them, which is a really, really good number. So it's fair to say and assume that the critics liked it. I didn't see any like section about the public perception or about critical perception at all about this musical, which I found kind of shocking. Mm -hmm. But just based on the accolade that it got, not only from Tony's, it also won like a fair amount of drama desks and other um, awards. You can assume it was a critical success. Um, And also since closing on Broadway, the musical has been on two U.S. tours, and one of them actually began this year and had both an Australian and West End debut. And the performance we watched today actually was a 2018 West End pro shot. So watch the English one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of a little thing about an American in Paris. You sound like you have something to say, Claire. No, I just wanted to say that I find it so interesting because I feel like my taste versus the general public's taste is so different. You know, seeing how successful this one is versus like such as something like A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder or Jekyll and Hyde, which I enjoy both. A Gentleman's Guide was so successful. I think it's not make it to Broadway. Oh, like it that? definitely, it won Tony's on everything too. Like it was very, it was a critical but it hit. wasn't long run. Which... No, but I think that's probably because it was probably expensive, but it was a critical hit for sure. A Gentleman's okay. Guide. Okay. Uh, Jekyll and, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, I'm <laughs> was like, on Broadway for five not... years. No, no, that was a Gentleman's Guide. Jekyll and Hyde was on Broadway for five years and it lost so much money. Everybody hated <laughs> it. So yeah, that, that'll give you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's um, like, oh man, I wish that I'd keep my the show that I enjoy. I mean, 
This one is not bad, but it's just not my favorite. Okay, so I guess that's a little snippet of your final thoughts. Definitely. <laughs> that is really interesting because, as I mentioned, I couldn't find anything for any perception, critical or public, but we are assuming that it was a critical success. From what I've seen from the public, which is essentially trying to lurk in the like a musical subreddit and just Googling an American in Paris and see what people think, they did not enjoy it. Mm. So they did not have a good time for the majority of the show. Hardly anybody ever talked about it. So it seemed like it wasn't very, very well known. A lot of the things that had an American in Paris, so just like half of it is people say, like asking, what's a dense, heavy show for my daughter or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that is really, really curious because this is something that I did really enjoy, a snippet, I guess, for my final thoughts. And <laughs> I was really, really shocked that nobody talked about it or people didn't enjoy it. And I could see why they wouldn't, but it's something that I personally was able to put aside. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had some other criticisms that nobody voiced yet. So I was wondering how that would factor with your Ooh. thoughts as well. Interesting. Okay. There's only one thing that overlapped actually with our criticism. And I and I could give them that. I could see where it's coming from. Okay. Okay. I'm very excited to hear what you have to say then. Likewise, likewise. Um, I kind of had a hunch that you wouldn't <laughs> necessarily be all into it, just because it definitely had quite a few similarities with cats in <laughs> the dense heaviness, for example, even the music and the uh, thinness of the plot which I know is something that you prefer more to the characterization like you like plot heavy things mm -hmm. um, so I had a hunch that you might not like it but I also know that you enjoy a lot of like classical music and you do enjoy like seeing ballets and stuff like that so I was like she can fall either way about it and I would not be very surprised <laughs> <laughs> you know me very well oh, that just okay. put it that way Yay. Yeah. Wait, are we jumping into our final thoughts already? No, or, this is okay. a snippet into our final thoughts. People okay, okay, still okay. like Sounds stay good. in. We promise it will be with you. <laughs> Imagine this closes in 10 minutes. Desperate. But like, yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. We have enough of you too. Just like like we got all we needed and that's all. Goodbye. Um no. <laughs> Let's jump though instead of into our final thoughts into the summary. This one is gonna be in depth as opposed to the shorter one. So we open with Adam introducing us to Paris after the war. He explains that though we associate Paris with beautiful architecture and cheese, very true, mm -hmm. um, after the war, it was nothing like that. So despite that, the kind of main character, the protagonist, Jerry Mulligan, um, an American soldier who fought for the French liberation, decided to stay in Paris. So we get to really, really see the chaos of Paris in the aftermath of the war in the opening number, which is kind of like a dense number, actually. As I mentioned, this is a very, very, very dense, heavy show. And during that opening number, two characters, Jerry and Lise, keep dancing around each other, literally. And at the end of the number, we see Jerry has decided to stay. So then we cut to a cafe or bar. I wasn't 100% sure. I mean, they served alcohol, but it is friends, so who knows? where Adam works. So the two meet and instantly hit it off. Adam is a composer who is trying to finish writing his concerto, while Jerry is also a starving artist. Um, in Jerry's case, he's like a visual artist. Adam tips Jerry off about a place where he can stay. And then we see a Parisian guy, Henri, 
bursts into the cafe and Adam asks him if he proposed to his longtime girlfriend already. He has been trying to pluck up the courage to do so. And Adam, we find out, is helping Henri with his nightclub act. He writes him a song, which is how the two know each other. And it is assumed that they know each other quite well since Adam has been there for a while. So then we have like a time pass and the three quickly become friends. Jerry and Adam go to a ballet class where Adam is accompanying the dancers while Jerry sketches them. And when Jerry is approached by an American woman, Madame Davenport, who offers to represent him and invites him to a gathering at the Ritz. Then we have auditions. They're being held at the ballet and we see Lee's bursting in late she is actually dismissed by the teacher i actually don't know her name she is such like she's one of the six main characters ish and i don't know her name which is a little bit concerning but we'll talk about her a little bit more later and even though she's dismissed by the teacher she is encouraged by adam to stay anyway and dance in the back so as to not miss her chance at auditions the teacher has a small but iconic moment where she single-handedly created Tall Girl 1, 2, and the million inevitable sequels by dismissing one of the ballerinas for being too tall and directs her to be a skyscra- skyscraper somewhere else. Did you watch Tall Girl? Tall Girl? Mm-hmm. No. I guess you'd never even heard of it then. No. It was huge on Netflix. A lot of people started talking about it because it was such a ridiculous thing, but... And I actually never watched it. I gathered a little bit by osmosis and listening to YouTubers complain about how crappy the movie is. Oh, it's crap? Okay. Apparently. So it's kind of like a girl and she, like one of the most iconic um, iconic lines from the movie that turned into like a meme is, oh, I wear size 13 Nike shoes, men's. Um, and she's like complaining about how hard her life is by being that tall and how everybody like hates her and makes fun of her. And I don't doubt that being tall comes with a lot of difficulties, especially as a girl. But that was really laughable considering it's really like apart from that, she's like conventionally attractive. She is rich. She has friends. So the fact that she complained so much about her height was something that everybody oh my goodness that's so funny (laughs) i literally just googled this and it has 38 percent rotten tomatoes and on imdb it ranks 5.2 out of 10 so it's not at all horrible but it's definitely not up there that is higher than what i expected based on how much fun everybody was making out of it but because it got so much traction because everybody was joking and like laughing about the movie it got a sequel and i'm sure that one will also have a sequel sequel. oh my goodness (laughs) do you feel like that because you're i guess we're not like that tall right i am five four i'm i'm average exactly for canadian woman average you are tall okay let's go with that that. tall You're like five six, five seven, I think. So, like, I think you would be the height that I would like to be ideal for me. But actually, oh, really? I don't mind. I don't mind five four. To be fair, it's not super short. I think it's like I'm taller than half the people, mm-hmm. and I still feel like very, very tiny, which I like. I think I like. It's not an issue finding like somebody who's taller than you, and most clothes fit me fine. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're either end of the spectrum, you're going to have a lot more difficulties. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like wearing high heels and stuff, I guess. Oh, I wouldn't mind that. But again, like it's never something that I had to contend with because high heels would make me 5'7". <laughs> so, 
five seven or five eight at most so it's not an issue but did you mm-hmm. feel like it like you don't like wearing high heels because you're a bit taller or oh honestly it's more like <laughs> I'm just pretty much I, I can't walk in high heels so I don't think it has anything to do with my height necessarily H- high wedges then mm, I would want to try them actually okay. I do remember the only time when somebody was kind of I guess making fun of my height was back in the days when you know you have to prep for the prom in high school and then there was a girl just making fun and be like oh Claire you don't need high heels because you're already so tall but th- she didn't mean it in a mean way I don't think okay. and I took it as, as a, a compliment joke. yeah so okay. I didn't think it was anything that is hurtful mm-hmm. or anything so I thought it was fine but okay. that's the closest thing I can think of in regards to the height yeah and I mean she is what supposed to be six one. I met plenty of women who are six feet tall. Like I met at least like four or more. So it's not mm. even that much of an anomaly. So people were just making fun of her left and right and center. And mm. <laughs> oh, speaking of high women, so yeah. I went to Denmark for exchange, right? Oh yes, remember that? Yeah, <laughs> I can already, I can already know where it's going. <laughs> Did I tell you the story already? No, you didn't. But Denmark okay. is full of really, really tall people. I'm oh, sure. they yeah, they they definitely are tall. But let me tell you this. So the first day when I arrived to Denmark, I just say it was a very hectic day because my flight was delayed and my connecting flight was literally going to take off in like thirty minutes. I had to run to the to the gate, um, mm-hmm. and I made it to the gate, but my luggage did not. So it was a very hectic just in the airport and trying to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. And when I came out of the airport there was this girl from the university that I was exchanging to and she was kind enough to offer to pick me up from the airport right mm. so we talked on Facebook before I arrived and everything and she was very kind and very patient because my oh. flight was delayed and everything but she waited for me in the airport which I super appreciate but when I came out of the airport sorry the gate and then I saw her Literally, the first thing that came to my mind was like, holy crap, this is what they mean by like European girls. Because oh. she was so tall. Oh like I God. literally have to look up so that I can <laughs> see her face. Not even joking. Like, she was that tall. So I was really shocked. In my mind, like everyone from especially Northern Europe are just super tall. Mm-hmm. And she definitely confirmed that assumption or that expectation but she was so nice she was really Aww. nice so even though I have to look up and my neck hurts a little bit after talking to her for a couple hours <laughs> that's what I didn't mind yeah wow <laughs> yeah but she was really nice oh okay that's really nice I feel like if I went to Denmark I would probably feel very very short and even though I like my height currently in Canada and North America there I might feel a little bit inadequate so who knows <laughs> who knows it's all about comparison, right? Like, for exactly. example, if I go back to Asia, I'm pretty sure I'm going to feel like a giant. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, to be fair, they're not that short, but I think I'm considering tall in, like, Asia, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I never looked at the average heights across the globe, so I wasn't sure. Um, I only looked up the average height in Canada because I wanted mm. to see where I fall. Mm. Right in the middle, of course. Um, (laughs) in my natural position (laughs) Um, so yeah that's really interesting but this teacher single-handedly created one two three 
I'm sure there'll be a three, a four, a five, a six, whatever. Um, so she did that. But the hypocrisy from her, because I just wanted to say that hilariously, they were the same height. And maybe she was even slightly taller than the skyscraper she just dismissed. So it's very much the pot calling the kettle black situation over here. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, so Lise has an amazing audition and she wins the role. She doesn't know it for sure yet, but she wins the role. And Madame Davenport offers to fund the entire play if Maestro will commission a piece for Lise to dance to with music by Adam and design by Jerry. So the Maestro agrees to create the ballet piece for Lise and with a composition from Adam, but he doesn't want Jerry involved since he has his own designers he's loyal to. Um, but before leaving for work, Lise gives Adam a flower and kisses him on the cheek as a thank you. Um, Jerry goes to visit Lise and her place of work and comes off hmm, a tad strong. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, and he kind of believes that the two of them running into each other constantly is fate and rationalizes his behavior um, just for falling in love for the first time. And he's kind of adamant that they were meant to be. Um, the teacher comes in and informs Lise that she got the part. And it seems like the two have a closer bond than just like a teacher and a student. And we find out that they're actually living together. So Lisa's mom was also a prima ballerina, which is something that is really important for later. And the teacher goes to see Henry and we learn that she's his mom. So she asks him whether he proposed to Lise yet, which he hasn't. So kind of like the configuration here, we have Lise and her teacher. Her teacher happens to be Henry's mom and Lise is engaged to Henry. So that's kind of like where they know each other from. Henry and Elise um, labor on writing letters. They're not in the same place. They're kind of like in different places of the stage. And Henry is writing his letter to Elise, trying to um, propose and Lise to her parents. Um, which aren't there. During her letter, she confesses that she doesn't actually love Henry and hopes he doesn't propose because she would feel obligated um, to say yes because him and his mom took care of her during the war. Liz shows up to the meeting place where Jerry asks her to go to and proceeds to make a bit of an ass of himself yet again. Um, like, oh my God, sir, <laughs> dear sir, like, what are you doing? So in the portion there he tries to change her name because he says that her name is too sad and he wants to change it to Liza because it's happier did you get that what I thought it was such an asshole move <gasps> yeah exactly that's the that's the asshole move like right her name is nice first of all and just going to somebody and saying hey I don't like your name let's change it for you I'll decide on your name what kind of a clown behavior is that he was just so full of himself. Yeah. I yeah. really hate him after that, actually. Yeah. It was a difficult, like, thing for me, at least, to kind of, like, understand his character a little bit deeper to have some kind of sense of rooting into it, like, for the relationship at all. But I have to agree that Jerry is kind of, like, the least likable character in the show. A show mm. that I found is full of other likable, like, otherwise very likable characters. Which hurts so. me so much. Because oh, the really? romance is like heavy, heavily involving him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can like 
<laughs> I brainwashed myself to kind of see where they can have like a thing going on, like the reason why he's so brash and rude and disgusting um, is because this is his first experience with love and he doesn't really know how to navigate thing and he's kind of like almost intoxicated with the feeling so he's not necessarily in his right mind and he's like very young very naive sort of thing obviously no excuse but that's kind of like the rationalization to make it okay for me as an experience like just Mm -hmm. experiencing the musical but I have to agree Jerry is definitely I would assume at the very least a polarizing character I think he's the least likable I agree I would agree of of all the characters from yeah actually (laughs) but I would have to agree so after literally making a fool out of himself changing her name all other assholy behavior Jerry asks whether she will meet him daily as a friend Mm -hmm. after wooing her a little bit she agrees but makes him swear not to tell anyone just to say about that a little bit Jerry made it very very known that he does not view her as a friend literally saying a minute after saying oh we'll meet together as a friend he tries to kiss her so yeah, we can assume that he doesn't mean actual friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so Elise goes to visit Henry, where she tells him that just because she accepted the role here doesn't mean she won't come with him to America to perform if he'd like. So um, Henry has a really big dreams on becoming a performer, specifically jazz performer, I believe. And um, he really wants to make that happen, but he's scared because his family doesn't know about it or wouldn't approve. So he kind of takes her um, agreement to come with him to America as her accepting his proposal without needing to officially make a proposal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then later, uh, Andre, Jerry, and Adam all meet at the cafe and share the good news they all have about meeting the love of their life. And as they don't know at this point, all of them are in love with Lise. But we have a little bit of an incident here because Henri accidentally took Lisa's letter instead of his own and he discovered she's not actually sure about their love, but she thinks maybe love can grow. So that made him feel a little bit better. Um, Meanwhile, Jerry goes to the Ritz to mingle with Madame Davenport, who comes off strong as well. So if you already had like a skewed vision of Americans, I think she'll probably confirm your opinion. And she's really interested in having a flink and in exchange, she'll introduce Jerry to all the influential people in the art scene in Paris. Um, that's kind of the end of Act 1. Act 2 opens with Adam really blowing all of his chances with Lise. The poor, poor thing. Like, he's he is a very nervous, nervous person. But the three are at a gig that Adam booked for them, which happened to be for Henri's mom and Madame Davenport. Henri's mom doesn't know... Um, that he wants to be a performer, as we mentioned, and he tries to pretend that he doesn't know Adam and Jerry. So it was kind of a surprise that the gig was for his mom. Madame Davenport tells Jerry he has finally been hired for the ballet gig after a lot of convincing. And finally, at the end of the night, the teacher announces that Henri and Lise are going to get married. Thus, Jerry and Adam find out that uh, Lise is Henri's girl and Jerry goes to run after her. So when she leaves, Henri and Madame Davenport seem to bond over shoes and their high status. They're not necessarily hinted at being together afterwards, but I'd like to think so. I don't get that from no. the musical. I don't think what they share was romantic, but okay. it was more like a friendship hmm. to me. 
I could see that going either way. I could see that going either way for sure. Um, you can read into it either way. How mm-hmm. many times do I say either way? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, outside, Jerry and Lise confess their love for each other. But Lise says that she can't commit to him due to her obligations. And Henri sees that, like their exchange from afar. Jerry and Lise um, separate and go to their respective current partners who ask them whether they're enough for them. So Madame Davenport and Jerry actually break up during that exchange while Lise and Henri stay together. Then we have a scene where Adam confronts Henri about his marriage to Lise. During the confrontation, he really demands to know why is she so indebted to Henri's family? Because it was very obvious from all the interaction that she does feel a sense of obligation, even to outsiders. And we find out that they took her in during the war. So her parents were going to follow, but were arrested by the Nazis. And to this day, they don't know what happened to them. And Henri's family had to keep up appearances to be able to continue resisting the Nazi occupation and save as many people as they could. So Adam really commends him for his and his family's bravery and asks him to continue to be brave and let Lise go because she doesn't love him and shouldn't be chained to him out of obligation. So then we have Henri and his performance in a jazz bar. And the poor thing is so, so nervous. I felt so bad for him. I did feel bad for him too. Yeah, but... I can totally see that as myself if I have to perform on the stage. Okay, okay. But how about the second half? Like with a little bit of encouragement from Adam, he finally finishes the performances so successfully. It was such a big moment. It was so extravagant and he was having the time of his life. Do you see that happening for yourself? No, definitely not. Oh. But I'm happy for him. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. No, I get I, nervous too easily, so I don't aw. think it can ever happen to me. But that's okay. I'm more happy as an audience, to be honest. That is fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, still a little bit of an awe, but fair. Um, unfortunately, Henry's parents rediscover their love for jazz in the previous scene, and they happen to go to the jazz bar, and they saw his performance. So initially, his mom the teacher, I use them interchangeably, Andrew's mom and teacher. Um, She's really, really scandalized and she wants to leave. But then we see his dad approve of his performance and he really congratulated him. And he says he has no obligation to the family business anymore as long as he continues doing what he likes and what he's good at. And that really helps change his mom's mind and she gives her approval as well. Mm-hmm. Then we have Lise running away and Jerry kind of wants to chase after her. But during that kind of like period, he knocks Adam down while doing so. And this is not really important to the plot at all. I'm not really sure what they're trying to suggest, but Adam has like a limp. So um, it can be a little bit of a more difficulty for him to get up and stuff like that. He still gets up by himself, but I think that helps Jerry feel a little bit worse about the whole interaction. And that's the reason why he stays back to make sure Adam is okay. And he professes his love for Elise in front of the two other men. So Henri reminds him that she is in fact engaged and Jerry mocks him saying he's a coward who couldn't defend his own country. And to defend Henri's honor, Adam tells Jerry about Henri hiding Elise away and other Jewish people. And Jerry agrees that even though Henri isn't a coward, he is still really adamant that he needs to break off with Elise because Jerry loves her more. Yeah, a little, a little lot of a clownish behavior. I would agree. So sorry. (laughs) Definitely. I couldn't agree more. So, yeah, I was like, okay, okay, okay. You get your roses, you get your Jews, but whatever. 
I don't care about that. I still want my girl. And it's my wishes that matter more. So yeah, it's yeah. like, if you're so good at it, make Lee strict your mind. Stop pressuring the guy to be like, oh, you need to let her go. I mean, she did admit that she loved him. So and we do know beyond a shadow of a doubt that she's staying out of obligation. She never really loved Henri. Um, so I could see that. But the way he put it, mm, it's not the right way. I mm-hmm. think the way that Adam went about it is a lot better. And I think that's because Adam doesn't have skin in the game like Jerry does. So however way Jerry would try to convince Adam, it would come off as a little bit self-interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at this point, we have Elise who enters and she asks Henry to come with her. Jerry asks Elise to um, choose him again, but she refuses. So then we have like a big performance that is coming up. That's kind of like they were building for. And before the big performance, Jerry wants to deliver an art piece he was working on to Lise. And Madame Davenport volunteers to do it in his place. So when she meets Lise, she imparts the wisdom that money can't buy happiness. Um, as we know, Henri is very rich. Uh, so that's another kind of perk of being with him, I suppose. And um, she encourages her to go with Jerry instead. So she also gives her inspiration on how to do well the performance. And then we see said performance, which is approximately 13 or 14 minutes long. So it It was long, long. very cats-like because in cats, they also had like a 10 minute performance like this, Mm -hmm. Um, but they made it even longer. So then we have like the musical ending with Henri giving up on Lise and um, he gave her the freedom to chase after Jerry. And the final scene is the two dancing together and sharing a, a kiss. So, yeah. Yay. <laughs> so enthusiastic about it. I know. So, for this, we're not going to go song by song specifically because half the songs are actually just instrumental and they don't have any lyrics in them. But maybe you can mention what is your favorite song. I honestly really like the first song. <laughs> I know it doesn't really have um, a lot of lyrics in them, but I like the, was it Concerto in F? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Why? Oh, oh that's God. all. Me- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, interesting that you really like the instrumental one rather than anything I think, with lyrics. I-, I don't know why. I think it's probably because it was really impressive of how it opens. Mm. And I like the way that they made it seems like, you know, that people are actually walking on the street, you get to mm-hmm. see so much in terms of the, the building, the people even reuniting. And that was really nice. Um, so I like the setting more like so maybe I like the viewing experience of the first song a lot because nice. it was very impressive. But obviously, in terms of the music, there wasn't much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you listen to the cast recording before? No. Watching this? Okay. Okay. Did you? Yes, yes. you did, right? <laughs> <laughs> no need to even ask. Yes, I did. I think I would pick Shall We Dance, which I thought was a really interesting title because I always associated that um, with The King and I. But I would say it's definitely my favorite. It has such memorable number in and of itself. And I really like the character of Madame Davenport a lot. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it also reflects one of the more prominent attitude and messages of the musical, which is to try to enjoy your life despite the horrors of the past. And just in general, it's a very, very, very memorable number. Like it only heard it maybe three times or so. And I can totally remember it. And in fact, I think they did such a fantastic job with all the music. 
I do know the majority of the music is actually carry on from the movie, which is great. And the mo- movie was um, written by Gershwin. So for the for the music. So obviously it's going to be amazing. And I did think that a lot of the numbers, I was like, that's a lot like Rhapsody in Blue, isn't it? Um, sorry, American Rhapsody, mm-hmm. I think is the is the new name for it. But uh, I definitely got that kind of vibe from them. And I thought it was really, really great. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy the music overall? Well, <laughs> um, you mean music in general or just the musical itself? Music in general. I thought they were nice. I just kind of wish there were more, you know? I didn't know it was so dance heavy. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I enjoy it more than I enjoy cats probably and i think largely it has something to do with the fact that it's very mm, it's more modern first of all the costume was more was nicer <laughs> in mm. my opinion i think especially cats the movie that was really traumatizing i i wouldn't put cats the movie as a representation of cats no it's not but... and it should not be yeah, yeah. but i mean uh, there's a lot of crossover i think the actor who played jerry was monka strap no really which is not surprising at all like there are a lot of similarities the dance is so heavy here and the dance is absolutely beautiful yeah and for cats one of its shining moments is how dance heavy and how beautiful the choreography is to me Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. as somebody who did enjoy cats (laughs) no i enjoyed the dancing portion in like a lot of the solos and cats too mm-hmm. so it's not like i absolutely hate every single bit of it mm-hmm. um but yeah i did not know how dance heavy this was going to be yeah. and truth be told i think up until maybe the end of act one i really enjoy it the dancing mm-hmm. portion of it but it's just the music though i kind of wish that there's more you know and i guess it's yeah. hard to get everything at once but mm-hmm. it's just the, the dancing was so amazing and impressive um and I personally like songs <laughs> and musicals yeah. so I'm really that's why I was surprised that you pick a non-song for your favorite oh it was definitely the viewing experience yeah I yeah. figured I wonder I really want I mean I'm not going to press you on that but I really wonder if you listen to the cast recording first which one would have been your favorite just because it would be very limited viewing experience true. that is true but I guess I'll never know <laughs> <laughs> so because we're not concentrating a lot on the music itself for this particular episode I believe Claire you uh, came up with a few questions so you know how like the musical opens with like oh what do you think about what you think of Paris yeah. and stuff and since we both travel to Paris and I know that we talk about Paris in some of our French musical episodes before so many French musicals so many and I know you suffer from them <laughs> I mean I like some of them I like the yeah. English French musicals <laughs> English French music. okay yeah. I get it I know what you're trying to say but oh actually on that note what uh- would you say is your favorite French related musical so far Oh, we didn't get to it, but it's going to be Anastasia. Okay. Or, so mm, far, so far. Okay. I, actually, that's a lie. I don't know how much you would consider it a French musical because it's very incidental, I think, when it's taking place in France. But I guess Phantom. Phantom. Okay. No, that's a bit of a stretch, though. That's going to be like, I mean, everyone's favorite France? French-related musical. No. A lot of people don't like Phantom. They think it's too corny. I know, right? They're like, oh, it's overhyped. You know how when something gets big, people start hating on it? Um, Yeah. Those people. 
Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people don't like Andrew Lloyd Webber in general, so they find even more reasons to hate on it. So mm. I would agree that most people in their right minds, not to diss you, <laughs> but yes to diss you, if you don't like Phantom, would pick Phantom as their French musical. Um, what some? What are some of our other French musicals? Refresh my memory. Obviously, there was Emily. Emily. Obviously, there was Amelie, and there is Romeo and Juliet, and I can actually go. I had such, and then we had Hunchback of Notre Dame. Out of them, I definitely pick Amelie as my favorite. Amelie, oh my god, I feel so that bad. shouldn't surprise you. By the way, I know you <laughs> suffered through Amelie, but I did not suffer through Amelie. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, that's okay, and I'm I'm certain beyond any shadow of a doubt that uh, Romeo and Juliet is going to be yours uh yes to your original question yes impression on Paris I mean I think we talked about it before but I had a fantastic impression of Paris this is like the number one spot that I want to go to again just because I had the best of time uh I know that wasn't the case for you so maybe that would no, be no, before you go before you go now what's your original imagination of like how Paris is gonna be I didn't really have an original imagination of how Paris I don't tend to think or fantasize. you don't have like a expectation no, I didn't, Ooh, actually. Okay. Um, I can tell you that in the trip, I think we'll probably, we must have mentioned before, but the trip that I took, which was part of it, I went to um, both London and Paris, and we had two weeks in total, and we actually budgeted more time for London than Paris because we thought London would be more enjoyable. We were very wrong, very, very wrong, because London was a hellhole, uh, except for watching musicals. And Paris was a lovely, 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 lovely place. And everybody was so kind and nice. And we had such a good experience. And I guess maybe that's something I can talk about. Like I I expected Parisian people to be less nice and forthcoming because that's kind of like the image they have on media. In every single show that I've seen about American people in Paris, they always remark about how mean they are. And I had the best of time. Everybody was so, so kind to me. And... They were much nicer than the people I've, like, um, I've met in London, for sure. They're much nicer than a lot of Canadians and also nicer than New Yorkers. This is another thing. Like When I went to New York, people said that people there are mean, but people there were about as nice as Canadians or even nicer. So I don't know. Maybe I had fantastic luck. Hmm. Yeah, that does sound pretty unusual, to be honest. But truth be told, I feel like I'm probably not the best person to judge the people from Paris either. Because mm. frankly, I was spending most of my time with my friend. So I mm. haven't really had a lot of time to walk around or explore the city mm. on my own. And how would I know how the people are if my friend did most of the talking because she knows French? But yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, neither neither my brother and I went with my brother. Knew French and people there didn't know English too, too well. But the one who did, they always tried to communicate with us. They like constantly give us like free samples and free things, which was really nice. Like they're really interested about where we're from. They're like really excited when we said Canada. They're, I think some of them hoped that we knew a little bit of, of French because of Quebec. We don't. So um, people were just lovely. And the streets were so, so nice. They have like all these roundabouts everywhere. Like the city is kind of like in circles. And where we were at, um, they had... We're, we're very close to the vegan portion of Paris, which was really mm-hmm. nice. And I just loved everything about it. Like the, the amount of convenience store. Going from London, again, maybe we're in the wrong part of London. They had Tesco's everywhere and the Tesco's are equivalent to gas stations. And there weren't big like the stores we're used to in Canada. And in 
France, they weren't that big either, but they're they're more like a mini mark you would see in, in towns, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So just the whole experience overall was lovely. But I was there for several days. I think you've been there for a day or two when you went in to Paris. Paris? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that is probably... Probably why. But I will say, I did have a very fantastic experience in a breakfast place in Paris. Oh. And I'm still stru- uh, struggling to try to find out which that plate was called because I can't remember the name of it but it was so so nice it was like a (laughs) a gay restaurant apparently Mm. and the thing that really stood up to me I don't know if I shared this on this podcast before but they serve hot chocolate or coffee in this gigantic bowl wow and I thought originally I thought that was going to be a salad bowl or a bowl (laughs) for soup or something like that and with the bowl there was like glass right and I thought when the waiter come over and he asked me oh would you prefer would you want hot chocolate or coffee or tea I thought he was going to fill the glass but Mm -hmm. then he stopped pouring the hot chocolate into this giant (laughs) bowl in front of me and I was so shocked I'm like whoa that's that's a lot that's amazing yeah that's a lot and uh and that was amazing I agree with you considering how I guess when I think of French food, I think of fine dining and I think mm. of very small portion. Like that bowl of hot chocolate was very generous. I will yeah. give them that. Yeah, finding food was definitely a difficulty. Like we, in order to get food that wasn't like bakery or cheeses or stuff like that, we had to go to like the ethnic stores, I suppose. So like we just feasted on like Thai food and Indian food to get like proper meals that we're used to in Canada, I suppose. I don't know if you had the same experience. In, <laughs> I guess in not. Paris? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess so. But I know your brother is vegan, but you also can't eat any of the pastry? No, no, no. I said except for the oh, bakery. Right. Okay, except okay. for the bakery and cheeses. Like, obviously, we could we could fill that, um, our stomachs with that. And that's absolutely fantastic. All of it was great. And they had, they didn't have too, too many vegan options for my brother, but they had a fair amount. And whatever we had was probably one of the best pastries we ever had, like, oh, in total. Good. And that's we experiment good. with that kind of stuff a lot, too. Okay. So, um definitely if you want big goods go there if you want good cheeses they had like a faux majorie which is like vegan cheeses which was amazing like they gave us like taste testing menu it's called um joy and joy i believe mm-hmm. um anybody who's visiting paris we have a lot of european listeners apparently um specifically from germany uh you want to take the train ride to paris definitely visit them but clearly i had a very good time i was wondering what kind of your expectations were before oh so they were very extreme to be honest when I was a kid my expectation of Paris is this pretty cliche to be honest like this romantic beautiful city Mm -hmm. where you're like see birds (laughs) in the sky (laughs) people like biking around with their with their hat and a baguette and I saw that by the way a lot (laughs) right right so it's not like it's not not true yeah those are true uh and people with glasses curly hair um hmm. turtleneck I don't know where all these things comes from but <laughs> but but these people you know and yeah. uh and they're just like drinking coffee very chill eating their croissant and just romantic beautiful absolutely lovely city that was yeah. the very original expectation I have with Paris I have no idea where this picture comes from by the way it's like oh. who feed me that 
expectation or that I think it image. makes sense like Ratatouille okay. would definitely picture or showcase France like this or Paris specifically so I think it's a fairly accurate image of the media representation of Paris maybe but fun fact I actually did not watch Ratatouille until like I'm 22 or something okay as long as you watch it it's fine it's yeah the best yeah it, it's a very best. great movie but it's I definitely missed picture. it when I was a kid anyways oh. and then so it goes from that extreme to another extreme where mm-hmm. people started telling me that, yes, everything you believed in, those were fake. Like, these were not real. Uh, Paris was this like, very dirty, smelly, and people are, like, very mean and very cold. So not a great city in general. Mm-hmm. And by the way, these are not something that I learned from the internet, for example. I learned mm-hmm. it when I was in McGill, actually. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So everyone from McGill, well, not everyone, sorry. A lot of people from McGill actually come from France, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what is it with people from France outside Paris and people who are just from Paris. Oh, I can but imagine. Apparent, yeah, there because... are like a lot of people who don't like people from Paris, apparently. So those people just keep on telling me that, yeah, Paris is this horrible shitty place and that's where mm-hmm. I kind of go like okay so maybe it's not as nice so yeah maybe that has something to do with it replace Paris with Toronto people it's how Toronto always like have that impression of Toronto really? I don't think oh. it's that extreme to be honest oh from what I know at least it is definitely extreme and people think that Toronto, especially if you go to like um smaller cottage towns they dealt with Torontonians mainly as tourists and apparently huh. we don't make great tourists Oh. Who knew? <laughs> so they always have really, really bad impression of Torontonians, apparently. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I I always liked her city very much, but yeah, the jealousy. <laughs> People the jealousy. Me, the burbia is real. It's so real. <laughs> I I guess. And the other thing is soccer, right? So um, I know you don't watch sport very much, but no. I follow soccer a lot and. Well, not the French League, probably. But I know that in, in France, like, a lot of people kind of hate on the Paris team, like PSG, because they're this big team that has a lot of money, and they, mm-hmm. they just start buying really good people. So their team is strong, but then it's just, you know, money. So a lot of people are not really happy about that. But what can you do about it? It's just, I guess, how it is. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's know. where I get all this information about Paris from. But in if you had to summarize your impression after visiting, would you say it was mainly a positive one? I would say in general, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be honest, it was quite nice. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, because I was staying with a friend, so I don't know if I'll still have the same experience or if I'll you know, have a slightly more positive or negative um, experience on my own. And that is something that I'm willing to try again, per se, because mm-hmm. I don't hate it, to be honest. I, I think Paris is fine. It's probably not the top five of the places I would want to visit again. But mm-hmm. if I have a stopover, for example, somewhere in Europe, I wouldn't mind spending some time in Paris just for, you know, the food, the cheese, the wine, whatever. So, yeah, I would say that is definitely not my least favorite city in Europe. So that is your least favorite. Oh, (laughs) we're going there. Okay. It Uh, begs the question after you say something like this. (laughs) Let's see. Mm, I will say London, to be honest. Yeah, London was shit. London was shit. 
Yeah, it was not very good. But I feel like it could also be because I was traveling on a budget, and that made my experience very. I wasn't horrible, but and okay. it was still shit. Oh, the only good thing about it was when I went to the Savoy for high tea, and obviously all the shows. Like they're a lot more affordable in London compared、mm. to. Here or New York,、mm-hmm. so these are the two good things about it. London was far dirtier than Paris.、Uh, there was shit everywhere. People are very noisy and weren't nice. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they weren't awful, but they weren't nice.、Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know? Okay. I feel like it's good to have people who seem like jolly and neighborly, and I didn't get that at all. And it it is a big city, whatever, but it was really just dirty and mm. noisy mm. and rainy, which I. I will always be grumpy in the rain. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true.、Yeah. Well, for those who don't know, I'm traveling to Europe again、Yay. in like a couple of weeks.、Um, so yeah, and apparently because I'm going to Portugal, and Portugal is known for having really chill people and like very nice neighborhood, I guess. So I, I guess we'll see how that is, and I'll give you guys an update when I come back. But I have pretty high expectation in terms of the people there. So if, let's hope that they're nice. Somebody <laughs> is from Portugal and has the inside knowledge, or is there? Can you like give us the hot tips of where Claire should go, where Claire should feast, and、oh, where are the nice places to be? And I think you're going with your family. Yeah. So somewhere there is nice for the entire family. For a group of people, would also be great. So send us all the tips, all the inside knowledge, because it's always good to know, not from a touristy perspective. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the food too because they have a lot of seafood. So yeah, I、nice. bet. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you'll enjoy it too too much.、Um, as a matter of fact, actually, I just saw one person complaining about not、uh, like Lisbon not having enough、uh, vegetarian or vegan places,、mm-hmm. and they were apparently quote unquote very disappointed of how not advanced the city is. Yeah,、and、I was like, okay, yeah, like, I'm think- pretty sure they. Do have some options, just not that many. Yeah, exactly. I think as long like vegetarian, which is what I am,、um, it's gonna be mainly okay for me. There's always gonna be at least. Well, actually, not always. We discovered this before, but <laughs> there is usually a vegetarian option、uh, wherever you're at, and it's not too too hard to find. Vegan options might be more challenging,、um, but I still think that people are creative and they'll find places to get vegan food from. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So <laughs> I know we came like a really long way from <laughs> the impression on Paris and everything. But the other thing that like kind of caught my eyes, and I'm pretty sure everybody who's seen the musical is、um, will agree on this, is is how much dancing was involved. And I know for a fact that you did ballet, right? Like you did too, though, for like a month. So that doesn't、okay. count. <laughs> Yeah, and none none of my ballet skills are transferable to like knowledge about what they're doing for sure. Every time I see somebody dance, I'm like just awe inspired by how elegant and beautiful it is. Especially when it's dances like this, which are a little bit more traditional, which I tend to gravitate towards.、Um, it's just absolutely gorgeous. I definitely enjoy the dance numbers. I like seeing ballets. I like seeing、um, all these kind of like. Shows, especially if it's more of the traditional dancing forms.、Um, so I had a great time, but I have to admit that they did 
mm, stretch a little bit more than I thought was best or ideal for the production. And there would be one or two that I would either severely cut for time or just cut out altogether. Mm-hmm. But that being said, even those, I still really enjoyed saying it. I just think it slowed down the tone, like the, the story itself and um, really screwed it up a little bit in that regard. But I think mm-hmm. for me, it's minor. Mm-hmm. Well, I was you? actually going to ask about like your experience with ballet and dancing in general because it's funny how you say um you can appreciate a lot of the elegance in and I guess grace in dancing because for me dance is something that I can never understand <laughs> I think I don't I'm just not artistic it. in that I way I think that's part of it I do, because I don't understand it I think you have a lot more appreciation for it I mean you would definitely have appreciation for the mastery if they're really good if which I'm sure they are um if you do know more about it but I wouldn't be able to tell apart a good performance from a great performance for example so I think part of the reason why everything is so amazing for me is because I am not knowledgeable about it Mm. um I guess it might not be the case for you Uh, (laughs) oh that's pretty similar to be honest but for example with painting Painting is another thing that I just don't have that part of me that can that knows how to appreciate it, I think. So, for example, if I'm looking at a painting, right, mm-hmm. and I just go like, what am I looking at? Like, how should I, where do I start to, to appreciate it? I mean, it's a good painting, but like mm-hmm. something that I see in a museum versus something I see on Facebook Marketplace, yeah. I, I won't be able to, you know, actually appreciate it because I don't know what I should be looking out for so that is sort of similar in terms of me trying to appreciate the dancing like it looks nice but I don't know if they're great if they're mediocre I know for a fact that they are doing things I surely cannot do Mm -hmm. and that's enough for me to appreciate it but I have no further expertise or experience with that Mm -hmm. that makes sense I hope Oh, for sure. I feel like purpose of these kind of things is not for experts to see them and appreciate them, though I'm sure it can definitely enhance your experience if you are an expert and you do know more about it. But I think the purpose of it is to evoke emotion. And if the piece is good, it managed to evoke emotion in you. And if Mm. the piece is not as good, it will be a lot more surface level, which I think is true for any kind of any kind of art including musicals like a musical can be fantastic and we could have a great time but it can be mainly for spectacle and not something we think about it or remember fondly after or it can be something that stays with you even just an aspect like the music that is really well done and, and struck a chord with you or the dancing or even the set design on costumes mm-hmm. so I okay. think how to measure it would definitely be more towards the emotion that mm-hmm. it induces mm-hmm. okay Okay. Yeah. So the last question. Okay. <laughs> I have, and that would be, what would you do if you and your best friend fall in love with the same person? Oh man, I honestly can't think of that scenario at all. Like for my friends, has it never were... happened? Oh no. To your friend group? Okay. No. Um, I feel like in the friend group that I had, people were either already taken or um, they had very different preferences for guys mm-hmm. um so yeah I can't really imagine that happening and I can't imagine how anybody would proceed but I don't think the emotion would be that strong that people would actually fight about it um the, might be and it's not like a drama like if your friend group is not drama oriented then that can also 
improve things with not fighting for the person <laughs> i really can't imagine it seems like such a far-fetched concept i know it happened in your friend group to be honest or something similar but yeah. uh i <laughs> i feel like i honestly can't answer the question i can't even imagine a scenario like this that's interesting okay yeah. i'll let you try to like go into that imagination a little bit while okay. i share my experience you're pressing because- <laughs> that interesting <laughs> I am. Uh, no, but I thought it was interesting because like, you know, in these imaginative situations, you'd be like, I have no idea how I would react or what I would do. Uh-huh. But if one day that happened, then at least you will sort of like have these mental preparation. No, like, oh. that's not mental preparation. <laughs> no, I feel like imagining something in theory will have little to no practical transference. Really? I yeah. thought it would help. I mean, it could. I mean, I, I don't think that I'll have the chance to really conduct that experiment. But <laughs> I really don't think. It will I hope you any. don't have. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, yeah. You won't have it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was very dramatic for mm-hmm. me because uh, I think probably because it also happened when I went to high school and, you know, everyone behaves very differently yeah. when they're in high school. They're just kids. Well, sort of like in between kids and adults. We're just still kids mm-hmm. and, uh, and and that makes things very very hard mm-hmm. but to be honest hmm, like I kind of thought about it in the way that so for example if you know that a person that your best friend is having a crush on but that person is having a crush on you would you tell your best friend about that or just pretend that you don't know oh did you it depends if I had feelings for them too if I had feelings for them, then I would probably tell my best friend. But if not, if I didn't, then I would just ignore it and pretend I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, because I'll probably do something similar too. But I guess mm-hmm. like it can always backfire and be like, oh, why didn't you tell me? And like, were you trying to make fun of me? That kind of oh, thing. Oh, I would you know? just say I wouldn't know. I was like, I had no idea. Oh, unless unless I had feelings for them, then like something could develop. If I didn't and it was just one sided, then I mm-hmm. wouldn't say anything at all. I'd be like, oh, I really had no idea. This is terrible. I'm so sorry this is happening for you to you. So that was definitely going to be my approach if I had. Okay, because <laughs> okay. I feel like that definitely would minimize drama. And it, it's probably the at least the way I envision it, it's probably one of the better way to proceed with it because it would put the other person at ease because the fact that you have no interest is clear in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, though? Mm, just don't have any written proof. Oh. <laughs> like, for example, if, you're, uh, if that guy said those things to you through text or something and then somebody oh, okay, screenshotted... So, like, he confessed then. Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought like, oh, it was just really, really obvious from the acting. Like, oh no, no. Okay, okay, so it was like a confession. Uh huh. Hmm. That that's more complicated, right? Yeah. Huh. So I guess the written proof part is really, really bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't pretend that you don't know. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Christ. If anything, that will backfire because your friend will think that you're lying to. Oh, yeah, for sure. If there is written proof, it definitely changes the entire thing. If it was, like, a confession and he has it in writing, mm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> not great. <laughs> not great. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think eventually it comes down to just how 
much your you and your friend appreciate each other probably because for me probably, yeah. friends always come before guys yeah so whether or not you're that person who are like oh this guy likes me but not my friend mm-hmm. or you're the in the position where you like the guy but the guy likes your friend I think it's just hard because there's always that jealousy element into mm-hmm. it or that um I wonder if I'm not good enough element mm-hmm. into it but eventually that comes down to more like how you think of yourself and your value rather than like something else you know but that's the perspective of the person who is being rejected by their crush not from yeah. the person who has who is the object of affection for the person that they like mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, in that case, there's definitely a lot of soul-searching you have to go through, a lot of, like, difficulties with contending about who you are as a person and what you think that kind of situation means about who you are. Um, But if you look at it from the perspective of the person who is not reciprocating, that that is just an uncomfortable position for them to have. They don't really have any other soul-searching that I think they need to do. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, should we go into our final thoughts? Sure. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Uh, so I guess in general, I don't mind the musical. I have some fun watching it, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not my favorite type of musical just because, like you said, I'm more oriented towards the plot, the characters, mm-hmm. and most importantly, the songs. Yeah. And this musical just sort of falls short on that. So it's not my favorite but it's still really really good the story though I, I just think it's a little bit unfortunate how it's a very old-fashioned cliche love rectangle in this case um story and uh, because it was so cliche that I honestly can't really feel for anybody in the musical probably except for What's his name? Harry and Adam. I feel like those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like Adam. You didn't feel anything for Lise? Uh, Lise was okay, but... Or Madame I... Davenport? Um, she definitely... Milo, right? Yeah, yeah. Milo, I think. Uh, Milo, Milo, sorry. Milo? I don't know. I'm Milo. not sure. Milo just gives me, way. like, it transports me to the drink. Oh, um... it does. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It. It's a good drink. That is a good drink, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I can definitely see that. And I think you're probably in agreement with the people that I've seen on Reddit, though they actually had a more negative opinion from what I've seen at least. So oh, yeah? interesting, okay. yeah. For me, I have to say, I mean, I already said it before, but I enjoyed the musical a lot. When I was watching it, it almost never happens that I get like this feeling of awe and kind of grandeur from a musical or even a piece of media without being in a cinema or a theater and I really did get the feeling here not to the same extent but I had some some semblance of that feeling and I'm sure everybody had it when they've been to like a movie cinema for example um except for Jerry I found all the characters extremely likable I think as a fan of rom-coms the plot was engaging and familiar at the same time so I did enjoy it um, from that perspective, the set design and costuming were absolutely impeccable. And not to mention that the dance and music numbers, which is really literally half the show at the very least, all of them were really amazing. 
the music specifically, I found embodied the character of Adam pretty well, um, which makes sense considering I feel like he is somewhat based on Gershwin or there is a lot of Gershwin injected into him. And I love that the cast was relatively small because a lot of musicals we see that are bigger also have a very sizable cast but in here we only had like six really big roles and all of them were performed really well depend Mm -hmm. like regardless of whether you connected with the character jerry or not (laughs) um the the performance aspect itself was really really good for all of them and some things i would have to say though that i did have issue with would be the length of the musical because it was relatively long it was two hours and 15 minutes and the reason for the length is due to the sheer amount of dance numbers that they had um so i mentioned it before but they could probably have cut at least one or two numbers completely or really narrowed down the amount of time that they allotted for each dance number um and as I mentioned it is nitpicky for me it's not a big deal since I did enjoy the dance and also the music that accompanied it and the other criticism everybody is talking obviously about how nobody likes Jerry which is not the reason I'm not going to be talking about the fact that Jerry is not that likable but even though I really really enjoy the character of Adam like I thought it was a fantastic character I found that is a little bit disappointing that he had no bearing on the plot like if you cut out his character he could easily um, you can easily do so and it would have absolutely no impact on the story in and of itself um, for example like his friendship with Jerry could just be solely transferred to Henri and his big gig as a composer could just replace Jerry's passion for visual art so Jerry could be a composer instead and I really wish they made his role a little bit more related to the plot just because I would prefer him staying in the musical rather than leaving because I think his personality added a lot of likableness to the characters mm-hmm. so yeah yeah That's okay my perspective on things so I couldn't find I mean I could find one quiz for an American in Paris but with 30 questions and I didn't think we wanted to go through that yeah so I picked something that is very very closely related to American in Paris for a quiz okay so I guess for today's quiz portion we're what the heck (laughs) we're doing the which character from Emily in Paris are you mm-hmm. quiz from BuzzFeed. <laughs> have you seen? I have both Emily in Paris. Oh, seriously? How do yeah. you like it? Um, it's not good. Let's oh. put it that way. It's not two good. seasons though. Because it is entertaining though. It's not mm-hmm. good at all. Like it's it's objectively bad. But it's in very entertaining. And the first season more so than the second, I would say. Emily is a deeply, deeply unlikable character, similar to Jerry. So I think it would work really well in that regard. And you'd see a lot of negative stereotypes about Paris and Parisian. They're like, oh, the city, beautiful. The people, shed. Not true. But um, you would see a lot of that from Emily in Paris. But just as a mindless form of entertainment, as somebody who's already very inclined to romantic comedies and rom-coms, I think it works okay for me. Not something that I would call a masterpiece. Like, I would give it, like, a three out of ten <laughs> for Emily in Paris. Okay. Okay. I have not seen it at all. I figured. So, yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot about it, but mm-hmm. I have not even seen the show for five minutes. Yeah. So, completely blind. I, I, don't see, I don't think you would enjoy it at all. Like, 
everything yeah, I, I know so. about you, you would not like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, first, how would your BFFs describe you? Sincere, funny, sweet, bold, creative, headstrong. Um, sweet, probably. Yeah, I'd go with. I mean, I think not to say mm. um, that, but I think I'm probably a mix of all these. <laughs> but I'd go with maybe headstrong. Okay. Um, choose a trashy hat to wear on your first day of work. I'm so happy that half of these are bucket hats because I live in them during the summer. But you have like a pink bucket hat, um, a beret, a red beret, um, a pink beanie, a plaid bucket hat, a Dior, Dior news cap, and another plaid bucket hat. Oh, man. I don't know. I usually don't like to wear hats to to work, to be honest. Um, I'll pick the red one. Okay. Um, choose something. Wait, what sn- about you? Oh, I did I not say. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't know where my mind went. I'm going to pick the pink bucket hat. Okay. Choose just because it looks the most like a bucket hat out of all of them. Choose something to snack on during your lunch break. Uh, chocolate croissant, French baguette, ratatouille, creme brulee, crepe, and croque madame. Wow. These are very fancy snacks. Really? Um, crepe? I'm going to go with a French baguette. Choose an Emily in Paris character you trust with a secret. Oh, None no of these idea. people are, trans- are trustworthy. I just want to say that. Ooh. But uh, Madeleine Willer, Luc, uh, Pierre Cadot, Antoine Lambert, the guys from Gray Space, and Brooklyn Clark. I'm just going to pick the guys from Gray Space. I'm going to go with Luke. The guys from Gray Space are very untrustworthy. Choose something fun <laughs> to post on Instagram. The cute cafe beneath your apartment, the Eiffel Tower, your breakfast, a statue you passed by during your morning run, fresh flower from the shop down the street, a selfie with your new French BFF. Cute cafe. Your breakfast. Now choose a witty caption for your IG post. Butter plus chocolate equals heart. <laughs> very witty. Um, hashtag mind the mud. Paris is weeping, lonely in Paris, hashtag room with a view. Paris is for cheese lovers. Paris is for cheese lovers. Mind the mud. Um, finally, choose something important from Emily in Paris. Uh, hash, mm, at sign Emily in Paris, do raise influencer lunch, Paris Fashion Week, Ringard, La Vagine, Gabrielle's restaurant. It's a restaurant. Okay, I'm going to go with La Vagine. Uh, who'd you get? I have no idea who these people are, but I got Gabriel. Oh, okay. oh that's bad. Judging from reaction, that's bad. He's the love interest and he's kind of a smarmy, scammy person. Based on the picture, I would buy that he's a love interest, but he's then he, he looks like an asshole, but okay. He doesn't look like an asshole, I think. He behaves really? like one. He behaves that's- like one. <laughs> Um, an asshole, but okay. Uh, well, <laughs> anyways, it reads like Gabriel, you're creative, charming, and smart. You have big dreams and will do anything to achieve them. You care a lot about the people in your life and will do anything to make sure they're happy. Mm. Honestly, mm. that didn't sound too much like an asshole, but uh, I'll still believe you. I got that he's an asshole. Um, so Gabriel hooks up with Emily and Emily's new French BFF, 
is Camille, who is the one I got. And Camille is Gabriel's girlfriend, longtime girlfriend. And they hooked up and cheated on. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I got Camille. So like Camille, you're... Did I call her Camille? I think her name was pronounced Camille. Like Camille, you're kind, strong, and classy. Your love meeting, you love people. Hmm. Today, today, I'm just out of it. But you love meeting new people and you always make sure everyone feels comfortable. You're a great listener and people love opening up to you. You're an all around wonderful person. So, yeah, that nice. is. <laughs> that is the end. In, in season two, they ruined her character a little bit too. So, yeah, as long as neither of us got Emily, I think we're good. Okay. Okay. Like, Emily is way worse than Gabrielle. So, oh, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Should we go into the final ranking then? Let's go. Let's do it. Drum roll, please. Um, I'll give it five out of 10 baguettes. I'm going to give it 8.5 out of 10 grand jetés. Okay, nice. Okay, so I think this is this is your second week for five out of ten in a row, by the way. Oh, mm-hmm. you remember my previous ranking? I'm so happy. <laughs> so <laughs> that flattered. is the extent of it. That is the extent of it. I remember one week before, and that is it. Oh. <laughs> for you only, actually. I don't remember anything that I rank ever. Um, except for waitress, just because I feel deeply ashamed about how <laughs> I ranked. It. No, don't worry, me too. Um, but yeah, I think this is it from us for our this week. If you want to discuss an American in Paris with us, feel free to do so. If you want to give, and please do, um, clear tips about the ins and outs of Portugal, definitely, definitely do so. Um, and also we're always here if you want to discuss any previous episodes we covered, or if you want to give us a recommendation for something to cover next, we'd really appreciate it. You can reach us to do all of that on our social media at Podway Podcast, um, on Instagram, on Twitter, but not really Twitter, and on Reddit. If you're not a social media person, neither are we. You can reach us via email at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. If you have it in your heart to give us a rating, I recently found out that um, Spotify allows you to do rating in the app. That would really help us a lot. Um, any rating or any comments at all, any kind of review, um, it would just help other people find our podcast. So um, if you can and you would like to, we'd really appreciate it. But apart from that, thank you all so much for listening and bye. Bye.